I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. When that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun, I can only imagine. When all I do is forever, forever worship you, I can only imagine, yeah, I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel, will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still, will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine, yeah, I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory. To my knees, will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine when all I do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine.
back and forth I know that you're thinking you've heard this before I don't know how to say it So I'm just gonna say it Yeah Fear you don't own me There ain't no room in this story And I ain't got time for you Telling me what I'm not Like you know me Well guess what? I know who I am I know I'm strong And I am free Got my own Identity So fear You will never be Welcome here Take a minute, let it settle in You probably never saw it coming Something's gotta give, so I give up you. Oh, there's no room for Well, good morning, Christian Hills. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. Well, if you just want to stand, we are going to get started this morning. Let's just start in a word of prayer today. God, we just thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your love in our lives, God, and just how you are here for us, Jesus. We just are here to praise you and worship you together, God. We just want to give you this time. We ask you to come this morning, Jesus. And we just pray in your name. Amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. Between us, by the cross you came and broke them down. You broke them down. There are chains around us. By your grace, we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You called me out of the grave. You called me into the light. You called my name, and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Feel the darkness shaking. All the dead are coming back to life. Back to life. Hear the song awaken, all creation singing, we're alive, cause you're alive. You called me out of the grave, you called me into the light, you called my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. And what a love we found, death can't hold us down. We shout it out, we're alive cause you're alive. And what a love we found, death can't hold us down. We shout it out, we're alive cause you're alive. What a love we found, death can hold us down. We shout it out, we're alive cause you're alive. What a love. 
Well, as you're finding your way back to your seats, we're just going to continue in the atmosphere of worship this morning. We just want to remind you that the altars are open if you want to come forward, if you want to sit, if you want to stand, you want to raise your hands. We really just want to encourage you to worship God if you feel comfortable this morning. This is about your time with Him. This is just about spending time in God's presence and just worshiping Him. God, I just want to continue to just pray over this time. We're just, just coming before you, God. You know, we're, we're talking about your love and how incredible your love is, Jesus. But we also want to tell you how much we love you. Lord, I pray as we just continue in this time that you will just speak to our hearts, God. You will speak to our minds, Lord. You will just show us your love today, and we can show you our love today. Let us just worship you together this morning, Jesus. Oh, that you die. 
This morning we're going to take of communion and um, as we go into a moment of, of what communion is, the most important aspect of what this is, is remembering what Christ did for us. You see, we read in the gospel, the story of the fact that God sent his son for us. That means each and every one of us in this room, God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us. Scripture reads that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, it wasn't about what we could do, but it was about what he gave. It was about the sacrifice that he gave, that we had this separation from God, our creator, our father God, because of sin, because of darkness. And we see that all around us, in our world around us. Day in and day out, we fight it. We go through struggle, we go through pain, we deal with different things. And so I encourage you this morning as we go into communion, the heart of this is remembering the fact that God gave his son for you. 
that he was put to death, but the, the most amazing part is three days later, he rose again because he defeated death and gave us life. And so when we partake of communion, we're not just doing a ritual, we're not just doing something to check off something off of a list, but we are actually partaking in a remembrance of the sacrifice that Christ gave for us. We are partaking in a moment of saying, God, I, I thank you for the sacrifice that you gave. I thank you that you gave your son for us. You see that he loved us so much that he said, I want to I close that gap, that separation that's there. I want to close that. And I desire for my children to be connected with me. And it says, all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. That's it. It's through him. When we confess with our mouths and declare that he died for us, we are saved through what he did. And so we take the bread as broken for his body, and we take the cup as representation of the blood that was shed. And so as we continue in worship this morning, I encourage you, those of you that um, cannot get up from your seat, just raise your hand and Usher will bring it to you. But take a moment and spend that with God and say, you know what? God, everything I'm going through, everything I see, all the hurt, all the pain, whatever sin it is that's in my life that I need to give to you, God, I desire to have your healing by what Jesus did. And this morning, I'd say it, I remember what he did for me. Jesus, I remember what you did for me, that you died for me as you partake. And whether this is your first time or you've done this all your life, Take a moment and rest in the fact that God sent his son for each and every one of us. No matter how far we think we are from God, God still loves you. And in this moment, we remember that. And so we're going to continue in worship, and you can help yourself to the table. But go to the Lord with that. Go to the Lord remembering the fact that he sacrificed everything for us so that we wouldn't have to face death, but we could face eternal life in Christ. So dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. God, we thank you that you gave your one and only Son for us. God, that you love this world so much. God, that you love us, your children, so much. Father, that you desire for us to come back to you, God, and that we have salvation through the fact that your Son died and rose again three days later. Lord, I pray for every heart that is hurting, God, every heart that needs you, God, every heart that feels like they are in a place where they're saying, why, God? But, Lord, I pray we take this one minute to say, God, you gave us everything. Here is all of me. God, we remember the blood that was shed and the body of Christ that was broken physically, God, so that we could raise in life spiritually. Father, I pray that as we partake today, God, we remember all that you did and that you're still doing through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you feel led, you can go ahead and help yourself to communion. You were the word at the beginning. One with God Hidden glory in creation. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning. God, you see each and every one of us. Lord, you see each and every heart, God. Lord, you know the ups, you know the downs. God, you know the good days, you know the bad days. And Father, we come before you believing that you are an active God, that you are active in our lives, God. Know that you desire to have a relationship with us. You desire to meet us in our point of need. God, we know your promises are true. God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would meet us in those points of need. God, I pray for each and every heart here this morning, God. Lord, that thing they're believing, God, that thing that they're searching out right now in their life, God, Lord, all the hurt, all the pain, God, all the doubt. Father, I pray you would just wipe that away this morning, God. Lord, I pray that you would just clear our slate and help us just to focus on you. Lord, I pray that today, Lord, is the start of something new in our lives. God, that it's just not another Sunday, but it's a day, Lord, that you start a new work. God, you start a new work in our church. God, you start a new work in our lives. You start a new work in our communities, Father. Because we are trusting in you, God, knowing that you come through. Lord, we give you our praise. We give you our worship this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We're going to continue this morning in our worship um, with our tithes and our offerings as we give into our kingdom giving. And uh, we truly believe that God desires to expand 
what is going on in his kingdom. And that happens through our giving and our worship. It truly is worship. Worship, worship is giving our attention and our devotion and giving of something. And we lift up praise and worship in song and in the same way of our resources. And that could be of our time. That could be how we give back, how we let God use us, but also within our finances. And so, again, this is not something that's done as a ritual, but actually as a step of faith in our worship when we give. And again, it doesn't mean the amount, but it's about the heart. And that's what we believe. And we believe God is doing amazing things in his kingdom. And we just pray that that continues. So as the ushers come forward, we're just going to pray that God would extend every cent that is given, that he's going to do even more greater things here. So dear Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord. We pray that you would just bless the giving this morning. God, we ask that your kingdom come here on earth, God, as it is in heaven. Lord, as scripture says, Lord, we desire for you to have your way. And Lord, I pray that as we give this morning, God, of our resources, Lord, of our physical, tangible resources, Lord, I pray that you would extend them, God, that we would see your hand move. Lord, we would see people come to you, God. We would see people find freedom in you. Lord, we pray that that happens even through the, the money that we give, Father. We thank you that you are in this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as the plates are being passed, I just have a few announcements for you. Um, once again, we'd just like to welcome every one of our first-time visitors this morning. We are so grateful that you are here. We just want you to know how much you are loved. This is, we believe in family here at Christian Hills. Like We are one big family in the Lord, and so we just welcome you. We want you to feel welcome and that you are a part of us here. And so we thank you for joining us this morning. And we have a couple things coming up. So next weekend, everybody say next weekend. There we go. Get the blood moving, right? Next weekend, we have Northwestern Band coming, um, and they're going to be with us. And we are walking into the next section um, next week of praise within our, in our series of Find Your Joy in the Journey in 2019. And we get to kick it off with actually having Northwestern College's band with us. So they're going to have an entire uh, orchestra set up here on stage, and they're going to be worshiping with us. We're going to have hear an awesome word from them, and they're really going to be sharing on the heart of praise and worship. So we are very excited for that. But also in the evening at 5 p.m., they are putting on a special show for us. And so we are encouraging you to come back next Sunday, 5 p.m. Invite somebody out. You know those people in your life that love music. Raise your hand if you know someone that loves music. Are they next to you? No, okay, if they're not, then make sure you invite that person out. But we're just really encouraging you guys. This is an awesome event for us just to come out, relax, hear some amazing music as they share with us. And uh, make sure you invite somebody that is next Sunday at 5 p.m. Next, we have our life groups. They are going on. We kicked them off um, back in February. And we are just encouraging you to plug into a life group. This is an amazing opportunity for you just to um, get to know some people here at Christian Hills, develop a sense of community, and grow in your faith. That's the biggest thing we are just challenging each and every one of us to get plugged in somewhere that we can be growing in our faith. So there's many different life groups. You can go on our website at christianhills.org. Ours is still open. It's not too late. He just, a little, little shout out there. So no bias, but he just wants you to sign up for his. So, but yeah, that happens on Wednesday nights with Vernon and Ashley, but there's many, every, every different age range is covered. Men's, women's groups. There is something for each and every one of us to plug into. And so we encourage you check that out on christianhills.org. You can sign up there. Talk to me after service. If you are interested in getting plugged into one, we encourage you there. So next we have our school banquet. So yeah, we're excited about that. So we have Christian Hill School here, which is um, preschool through eighth grade. 
and they are one of our biggest outreaches here at Christian Hills, and we are so blessed just with this opportunity. It's, this is one of their biggest nights just to um, help put some funding into the school, and uh, it's an amazing thing that is going on over there as children are not only getting a private school education, but they are getting a faith-based education. In our day and age, that's such an amazing thing. So this is happening March 22nd. It's a lot of fun. Um, They're not making me dance this year at this one. So um, sorry about that. I know you were looking forward to that. But they are selling tickets in the back. So please um, stop by after service. Grab a ticket. Come on out. It's an awesome meal. Uh, hanging out with awesome people. And there is some fun entertainment in store for you. So make sure you grab a ticket for that on your way out today. Last but not least, if you have a birthday within January, February, or March, um, again, that was supposed to be a couple weeks ago, but Pastor Mike and his wife Kathy will be holding a celebration for those birthdays for the first three months of the year here. So if that's you, there's a sign up and back that is happening. Um, we, they just want to invite you to their home, give, it, give you some cake and love on you for your birthday. So if that's you, make sure you sign up for that or talk to me and I'll get you set up with that. Um, last but not least, don't want to forget this, um, Northwestern Band, they are bringing many students, and so we are helping house them. We are almost um, to our housing number, but we are four short. So we have four guys that we have to house from the Northwestern Band next weekend for Saturday um, into, into Monday morning. So if you are available for that, if you can uh, extend and open your home to house some of those students, um, let me know or Pastor Tiffany know. Um, we would like to get them set up so that they don't have to sleep on the floor in the church here. So that would, that would not be fun for them. So please uh, see me after service if you were willing to do that. Um, well, we are continuing into our find your joy in the journey. And we, we so many times miss out on joy. And we talk through laughing again and loving again. And sometimes we miss out on these things because of the things around us. And sometimes I think that a lot of us deal with doubt. We deal with fear. We deal with those things that kind of, they surround us and they face us and we, we don't always go to God with them. And we're going to hear a testimony this morning of someone who was an atheist and they turned back to God because she found her joy in what God was doing in her life. And so we're going to hear that testimony. In college, I really started to form my atheist beliefs and I met my husband and Together we would discuss how there could be no God and we actually didn't even like Christians. So my husband and I got married and I started to develop a relationship with my husband's aunt. Over an, an, a couple of years and becoming close and I, I knew she was a strong Christian and she invited me to church with her one, one day. And so I, I had to confess to her that I was an atheist and she was just so sweet and kind and gentle. And I just barraged her with, you know, so many questions about her faith and her beliefs. And um, she just was so gracious and she answered them all just so graciously and kindly. And she just asked if she could pray with me. And I did not want to pray with her. Every fiber of my being did not want her to pray. But I, I did. I'm a people pleaser. And I said, sure. She just simply just asked the Holy Spirit to soften my heart and open my eyes to see the truth. And I, um, I went home that night. And the next day, I was out shopping. And I felt a really strong desire to purchase a Bible. 
I wanted to, I was really going to read it and study it and really form my argument against Christianity. And so I started with Matthew. I, you know, I knew the New Testament. I started with Matthew, knew it was a gospel, um, finished that, and the whole time was kind of thinking, this is crazy. I don't know how people can devote their lives to this. And I read Mark and Luke, and then I got to John, and something was happening inside me. My heart was softening. I was beginning to believe all that I read. And, and so the process was, if I believed that I needed a savior, then I needed to do something about that. And on July 4th of 2008, I got down on my knees and I repented of my sins and I asked Jesus into my life. And I, as I was getting up off my knees, I knew that life as I had known it was over. And it was, it changed all my thoughts, my feelings, all my, my beliefs, everything I stood for, it changed. That was on a Friday, and so two days later, I was really wanting to find other resources for women, Christian women, and I just Googled, like, Christian women podcasts, and I somehow found Revive Our Hearts, and started listening on July 7th. The next day, Nancy started um, God's Beautiful De Design for Women, Living Out Titus 2, 1 through 5. And it was at such um, an important time that that series aired. My husband really thought that this would go away, that it wasn't lasting, that everything I had tried had gone away, and this would too. But I was beyond that three-month mark that things usually lasted, and I was growing and changing, and my marriage was really coming to a head because I wasn't this woman that he bargained for. I was someone so completely different that he married, and he, he wanted out. My husband looked at me, and he said to me, do you love Jesus more than you love me and my marriage? And I just looked at him, and I knew it was breaking his heart. But I, I couldn't, I loved Jesus more than my marriage. And he said, I don't want to be married to a Christian. I don't want to be married to you. I knew that I couldn't keep my husband from leaving, but I could do what I could and God could strengthen me. And that was all I could do. And through Nancy's teaching on Titus 2, learning how to love my husband and how to love my children and how to be submissive to my husband. These were all totally new concepts to me that I had never, I had never heard. And I was pouring into the scripture myself and reading Titus 2 and studying it and Proverbs 31 and, and how to be that godly wife and mother. Christ did an amazing work in my life. And I think of the grace that was just poured on my marriage in that during that time and how I was just living out this biblical womanhood really kept my husband from leaving. And I would still say today, it still is. Amen.
What a great testimony, huh? God's faithfulness. Well, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that your Holy Spirit is here to lead us and to guide us into all truth. And Lord, we're challenged in Scripture that we need to test the spirits. We need to look at the messages that are around us, and we need to evaluate whether they are from you or from the enemy. Lord, we need to be able to discern what is right and wrong in our society that doesn't believe in right and wrong anymore. And so, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate our hearts and our minds this morning. I pray that you would truly fill each of us with joy. And, Lord, it doesn't matter if we go through struggles or we go through hardship or even if we go through persecution, Lord. We know that we can find joy in the journey with you. We can laugh in the midst of struggle that we can love in the midst of struggle, Lord. So, Lord, help each and every one of us to find joy in the journey this year in 2019. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for your prayers. Most of you know that my dad had a heart attack uh, last week. And uh, by the time we were rolling into Saturday, uh, they were basically saying that he was not going to make the day on Saturday. He was doing so poorly. So I decided to jump on an airplane and fly to Yuma, Arizona. If you've ever been to Yuma, Arizona, it is the desert. <laughs> There's nothing but a city in the middle of the desert there. And so uh, as I flew in on Saturday, uh, my sister-in-law was informing me that my dad's kidneys and everything was starting to shut down in his body, and it wasn't looking very good. And uh, long story short is, uh, and this is not my words, but her words, and by the way, she is not a believer. She said, the, the moment you step into uh, the, ho the hospital room, he started to improve. The doctors came in, said, we're going to try one last thing. They did dialysis on him to try and refire his kidneys. They refired. His body started to heal. Uh, yesterday, just so you know, this week, I prayed with my dad this week. He re rededicated his life to Christ. We did devotions every morning. I do a Tim Tebow uh, devotion called Shaken, so me and my dad did that every morning. Uh, we prayed every day. Uh, so Wednesday night, I decided my dad needs someone to encourage him because he's basically all alone down there. And so I went to a church called Calvary Chapel in Yuma, Arizona. I met a bunch of uh, some of the men there, some of the elders and the pastor. On Thursday, they came to the hospital to visit him and to pray with him so that they're going to encourage him and help him and his walk with the Lord and help him to continue to grow. Amen. So we give God praise as God worked all the details out in that story. He did tell me he's going to come here and thank all of you for allowing me to come down there because he knows it was a God appointment for me to come this week. And I said, well, when you're better, <laughs> we'll do that. And so uh, he even said to me, you know, and at first he didn't think he'd be able to do anything since his heart attack and and I convinced them that there is more, you know, life goes on even after a heart attack. Amen? That you can heal, you can get strong with the help of the Lord, and you can uh, lead a good life. So then he said, well, maybe I'll come hunting with you. I'm like, awesome. You know, we're to go hunting together and stuff. But long story short, he, uh, he's still in the hospital. He'll move into a hospital rehab on Monday. Uh, and then he'll probably be there depending two weeks to 30 days. And as he gets stronger and then eventually... The doctor is convinced that he'll be able to go back home and live on his own again. Amen? So we just rejoice in that and give God the praise 
as he met that answer to that prayer that we were offering up. And I think it's real important that we understand you can find joy in a journey, amen, even in the midst of a near-death experience. And I discovered that this week with my dad. As most of you know, I've been praying for my dad for years and years and years. And so we're just excited that he's made that decision to rededicate his life and follow after him. Well, let's turn with me. We have been in our series, Finding Joy in the Journey. We talked uh, about how we need to laugh more and how we need to have humor more and, and we need to find the good things in life. And by the way, my dad and I reminisced about some of the things I did as a kid that I had tried to block out of my memory, amen? And even started telling the nurses that my son used to do things like this. He's a pastor now, but he used to do things like this. And the one nurse looked at me and said, you really did that? And I'm like, yeah, but I've changed. I've, I've changed. I'm not the same guy I used to be, amen? So, but we can laugh about it and, and reminisce about it. And so, you know, we were finding that joy in the journey. But, you know, Scripture reminds us this about joy in the journey. Uh, if we can go to that first slide there, it says, Romans 15, 13 says this. It says, uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then there's that other one in Philippians 4.4 4 we looked at as we explored the book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. And so, you know, we're looking for that joy. We're looking to rejoice. We're looking to find joy. And so we've been searching the scriptures on how we can laugh, how we can have joy in the journey, even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of near-death experiences. And so as we've been looking now, we've been looking at love and how love is a, um, an important component. If you want to have joy in your life, you need love. Can you say amen to that? Love is an essential component. Every single person in this world, this culture, is looking for real love. I, and, I, and I have reminded you over and over, there is the love that the world defines as love, but that's not love. Then there's love because God is love, and his love is totally different than what the world's is. And his love is a perfect love. It is a love that will cast out fear. It is a love that will encourage us when we're down. It is a love that will help us to per persevere and press on through hardship. It's a love that is very powerful to change a heart, to change a mind, like we heard about her story today, of how her heart was changed when she got into the Word. She started to discover about this person called love, and it changed her heart. And so we need to understand love is very powerful because God is the one who birthed it. God is the one who originated it. God is the author of love. There is no love outside God. So remember this. We need to make sure we, we have the proper view and definition of love. And it's by God that we get that definition of love since he created it. So 1 John chapter 4 is going to challenge us today about making sure that we kind of take love to that next level. And he's reminded us, and how many loved Vernon's sermon last week? Didn't he do an awesome job challenging you to, hey, don't just talk about love, but let's go do it, amen? Let's go show someone love, you know? People are real quick to say, hey, I love you, but they never do anything to show that love. So my challenge is find someone to love this week. Find somebody to reach out to. And then John's going to take us a little bit deeper in John chapter 4, and he's going to take that concept of love, and he's going to take it to the next level. Now, I do want to remind you of something about John, the author of this book. John is also the author of the Gospel of John, who was the one who 
put in that famous phrase, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whomsoever should believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And he shared that whole story of how Jesus said those most famous words of the Bible to Nicodemus, a religious leader who didn't know what love really was all about in a, in a back, a dimly lit room one night. And that thing went on to become viral, amen? And those words continue to spread, but it's all about God's love and his willingness of his love to sacrifice for the ones that he loves. And therefore, Jesus was our sacrifice. Well, John says here in verse 1 of chapter 4 this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he goes on to talk a little bit more about love in this section. But I, but I want to pause here a moment because in these first few verses, as we kind of look at 1 John chapter 4 and 5, we're going to discover that there's four practical things that we need to practice every day if we want to go to that next level in God. If we really want to be able to, to find joy in a journey, if we want to be able to laugh, if we want to be able to really love, then, then basically he goes on to say there's really four daily spiritual disciplines that you need to do. And so we're going to look at these four disciplines today. And the first one that I want to highlight to you that he really says here, and by the way, it is associated with true love, by the way. See, a lot of people don't get it, but it is associated with true love. Number one, it's this. We need to test the spirits. Now, I want to ask you a question. You know, John says, if you, if you really love God, if you really want everything you can get out of God, if you, if you really are born of God, if you really know God, you're going to do one thing in your life. You are going to test the spirits so that you don't become deceived. Because if you become deceived, here's what's going to happen. You're not going to love God anymore. You're going to love a lie. And a lot of people, they love lies rather than love God. They will take that which is not of God and love that and give their heart to it, give their resources to it, their money to it, their lives to it. They'll give their entire legacy to it. 
but they're deceived. And, and, and the sad thing is, is we need to be able to discern because here's what the, the, the word test means. It means to try to learn the genius of something by close examination. In other words, when you test something, you really look at it to see if it's of God or not. Can I tell you, there's a lot of things that may look like God, but they may not be God. Can you say amen to that? There's a lot of things that may sound like a good teaching, but if they do not align with God's word, do not align with the teachings of Jesus Christ, do not align with the Bible, then they're not of God. They're, they're a, a front for an antichrist type teaching. And an antichrist is a person who's deceiving enough to think they're associated with God, but when in reality, they're not. And they, and they really don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ or his teaching. And so we need to be able to discern. And, and I love what one, one uh, author said. He said, we need to be able to know right from wrong. It is essential that we know right from wrong in our culture. And the sad thing he said in this survey that I was reading is he is not really sure. Josh McDowell wrote a book called Right and Wrong. Josh McDowell is a great uh, Bible exegesis person who spends a lot of time looking at our culture. And he goes on to say, we live in a culture today where our kids and a lot of people cannot discern what is right and what is wrong because we live in this society that an anything goes mindset is really, is really okay with God. How many have heard that? You can do anything you want and God will still love you and you'll still make heaven. Can I tell you something? That is not true. That is a falsehood. And the Bible is accurate, and, and I want to say this. Now, a lot of people say, well, how do you know that the Bible is real? <laughs> you know, I had one guy who was kind of sharing some truth with him from Scripture, and he looked at me and says, well, you know what? I don't believe the Bible, but this is what I believe. And you know what I said to him? I said, you know, I appreciate what you have to say, but here's my thing. When you outlive the Bible, when, when you impact more people than the Bible did, when you change people throughout generations, throughout time, throughout continents, throughout cultures, throughout different people groups and language groups, when you have probably changed billions of people in your life, then I'll listen to you. Because that's what the Bible has done. The Bible is the absolute word of God. It is his word, and I hear people say there's errors in the Bible, there's contradictions. No, there's not. I've, I've studied the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I've spent eight years in college studying the Bible, and you know what I've discovered? The more I study the Bible, the more it amazes me, the accuracy of the Bible. Archaeology attests to the Bible. I mean, it was even there. I was watching this thing on History Channel uh, one night this week, sitting in my hotel room, and on History Channel, they said, you know, there's that old story of Goliath in the Bible, and everybody always said that was a fantasy and a myth, and they actually found an archaeological discovery from the time when there was David and the Goliath thing to prove that that actually happened. It was etched in a pottery thing, and this broken pottery, this battle between Goliath and this Jewish boy named David. The Bible keeps coming to truth. The Bible keeps proving itself true. The Bible keeps changing lives. It impacts people in Russia. It impacts people in China. It impacts people in the United States. It impacts people in Australia. It's impacted people back in the 1800s. It's impacted people in the 1900s. It impacts people in the 20th century. And can I tell you this? It will impact people all the way into eternity. So I believe the Bible. Now you should know that. <laughs> and that's what John is saying 
And John is saying, you have to be able to take a measurement and you have to be able to look at what the Bible says and what this person is saying or this culture is saying or what the word for today is saying and see if it aligns up with scripture. And can I tell you something? You can take any one of my sermons or messages and if they don't align with the Bible, then throw them out, amen? But I align everything that I try and preach and everything I say is rooted and based in scripture because it is in scripture that I have discovered that things happen. That's how I became a Christian, when I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Most of you know, my dad and I did not have a good relationship. I have scars on my body from my dad. I did not like my dad. I actually hated my dad. Isn't it good he's saved, amen? <laughs> Isn't it good I'm saved, right? Because truth came along in my life to open my eyes to what is right and wrong. And we have to discern that there is a right and wrong to everything. And people are deceived every day. How do you know? How many remember when the new money came out, like the $20 bill, and it was really nice looking? You know, I remember first time getting that $20 bill, and like, wow, this looks so fake. But it was the new town. It was, it was looking, and it had that little strip in it, Right? And so you knew it was real. And, and, you know, but, you know, I sit around today and, and I think a lot of people were so deceived. And, and by the way, somebody was deceived in our church two weeks ago. They put $10 in the offering plate. It was a counterfeit $10 bill. <laughs> they thought it was a $10 bill. <laughs> it looked like a $10 bill. And the bank sent me a note and said, dear Pastor Mike, and hey, sorry, but, you know, we're going to have to take that $10 off that was in the offering because it was a counterfeit $10 bill. So they, sent, so they sent me the copy of the $10 bill. Now, I don't know about you, but it looks pretty real, right? But they had a measurement at the bank to show that this was not a real $10. Even though it looks right and it looks good, it's still a phony. And there's a lot of things that's being spread around our culture today that may look like a $10 bill, that it's from God, and it's not. And the devil is very wiry, and the devil is very deceptive, and the devil is very deceiving. And so things are going to come into our lives. And things can be everything from choices we make, to people we make, to things we do, to things we don't do. And you better be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. And I have discovered in my life that the best way to discover what is right and wrong is I need to know the Bible. Amen? So I study it. I read it. I spend time in it. I even reread things again. And I pray God will open my mind because I have to be able to discern what is counterfeit and what is real. I have to discern that this is really of God and this really is not of God. And that's what Josh McDowell said in his book. He says, many today in our society have not learned the importance of right and wrong and that there is things that are wrong. Not everything is right. And just because it's wrong for you doesn't mean it's wrong for me. He says, that's a lie from the pit of hell because God has discerned what is right and what is wrong with the Bible. That's why we have the Bible. That's why people, listen to me, thousands of people gave up their lives so we have the Bible in written form. Did you know that? John Wycliffe, who, who translated the Bible, had to give his life up. He was burned at the stake for taking and putting the Bible into common day English so people could read it. 
why do you think he was killed? Because the enemy knew that if you put this in the hands of people, they will be able to discern what is counterfeit, what is right, and what is wrong. And he didn't want it in their hands. You know, that's why today he gets people so distracted, they never pick up their Bibles to read it for themselves or to listen to it. Because you can go to version on the Bible app there, and you can listen to the Bible. You know, I told my dad that. You know, he goes, because I'm just not a reader. I said, do you like listening to things? He goes, yeah. He goes, so I showed him version. I said, you can listen to the Bible every day. Just do it on this, it's on your phone, you load it, and you can listen to it. And so the enemy wants to keep us from knowing what's in this amazing book. And he's keeping a lot of people deceived because, you know, we have have Christians today who accept abortion as okay, but it's not okay with God. We have Christians who think the gay lifestyle is okay, but it's condemned in Romans chapter 1, Leviticus chapter 17, Jude chapter 9. You want me to go on? I can give you all kinds of scriptures. But there's people saying it's okay. God's okay with that. No, he's not. He hasn't changed his mind on what is sin. We have people who live together and do not marry, and they think they're okay with God. Once again, that is not God. See, this world wants to redefine what is right and what is wrong, but can I tell you something? Don't you think the person who gets to define right and wrong is the one who created this world and gave us a Bible to show us what it looks like and how we can know what is right and wrong? But it's our responsibility. I mean, we're the ones that have to be able to basically read it and discover it. So we have to test the spirits. That's all part of love, by the way. If you really love God, and you really have the love of God inside of you, you're going to make sure that you're testing everything that comes across your path every day. How many here would allow one of their loved ones to be totally deceived, someone to steal all their money? You love them enough to protect them from that happening. Can you say amen to that? That's why God has given you the truth in written form so that you know it, because he doesn't want you to be ripped off with your life. Second point that he talks about in this chapter. We need to know love. And I'm, gonna talk, I'm not going to talk a lot about this because Vernon kind of covered it last week in chapter 3. But see, the world describes love as a feeling, an overwhelming passion. God says it is a guiding principle of moral life. Love is the life by which the Christian makes the moral decisions of his life. God is love, and love is found in him. And, and if you went on to read the, you know, the rest of 1 John chapter 4, it becomes very plain, and I challenge you to read it this week. But man, it just really becomes plain that if you, if you love, you're of God. If you don't love, you're not of God. And he says, we love, verse 19, chapter 4, we love because why? Why should we love? Why should we discern right from wrong and love God and do his things and obey his commandments because here we go it's back to John 3:16 because he first loved us when i was a sinner and when i had nothing to do with God and when i rejected God and when i lived in sin and when i did all those things that my dad kept telling the nurses that i did i didn't know God he even reminded me of things like i said that i had totally blocked out i'm like you remember all that huh he goes oh yeah i remember I'm like, yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> and it goes on to say, whoever loves God must also love his brother, and I'll add in their sister too. But it's all based on this idea that we need to know love. We have to know God. We have to know Jesus. You're, you're only, by the way, going to get to know him through the Bible. You're going to get to know him through prayer. You're going to get to know him through worship. You're going to get to know him by opening up your heart and your mind to him. You're going to get to know him by listening to sermons, by podcasts, by, you know, I, on my way 
uh, down there. I listened to some uh, preachers, and I read some books. All those things fed my soul. It was all me hearing what God had to say to me about this situation. I like what Rick Warren says about love in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. He says, life is all about love. Because God has loved, the most important lesson he wants you to learn on earth is how to love. God's way, by the way. It is in loving that we are most like him. So love is the foundation of every command he has given us. The whole law can be summed up in this one command, love others as you love yourself. And we know Jesus' greatest command is love God with thy whole heart, mind, and soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Two commands. Jesus took the ten, put them down into two. Love God and love others. How well are you loving others? Because I know that Vernon challenged you to go love others this last week. Amen? There's a lot of people who love all kinds of different things. How do I know? I Googled it. I said, I said, I did. I Googled love. Uh, by the way, you've got to be cautious what comes up when you Google love, by the way. It says over, over a billion sites came up, by the way. And so I just took some of the highlights. from I, One of them was I love dogs.com. I love cats.com. Uh, although this was one of, this was the one I love cats.com was a plea to spay or neuter your cat. I don't know if you really, if you really love your cat, you're going to do that, but I guess you do. I love cheese.com. I love lucy.com. True romance dating service.com. Uh, I saw K-Love, which is a radio station, klove.com. Then it had matchmaker.com, if you're looking for love. Then it had the lovecalculator.com. On this site, you type in your name and your mate's name, and it gives you the odds of your relationship lasting. I typed in Kathy. Came back 40% chance we'd make it. We're doing pretty good, babe. 34 years and going. But they're crazy sights. Yeah, and, but we have to understand, God is the author of love, and we need to love like he wants us to love. Well, I'm going to skip on to my next point because we've talked so much about love. Point number three, fear not. When a person experiences God's perfect love, then we come to understand that we need to not be afraid. I, I think this is a big one. Because I think a lot of people don't share and tell people about Jesus' love because they are afraid of the negative reaction that's going to come back to them. Aren't you glad that the lady in our video, that, um, that her husband's aunt was not afraid to share the love of Jesus even when she said she was an atheist? See, we, we can't be afraid. And it says, if we have love in, a, in us, it says in the scripture here, that perfect love will cast out fear. And, and you can ask why. Well, because greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. It, it is also because we know that God loves us and he will take care of us. Because we now are sons and daughters of Almighty God, because a day of judgment will pass us by, because through Christ we now have eternal life forever, because fear cannot reside, reside where love is supreme. And so fear is an, is a, is really happens in people's life because they don't have love. They're so fearful because there's no, you know, you know I was sitting there and, and, uh, and, and, you know, my brothers aren't Christians. And, and, and I think uh, two days into texting them and then they'd write back, why'd you say that? What did you mean by that? And I mean, I'm writing like things like my dad says, hi, thanks for thinking of him. Well, that was kind of rude. I'm like, what? And I'm reading into these texts, like, what is your problem? 
But, but their mindset is they're just fearful that people are ripping on them, people are attacking them. And so everything that comes across their lens is distorted. Can you, you know, you, have you met people like that? They just can't see it. And, and they couldn't see it. So, I, the, you know, I was actually in John here and it says, pray for those who need prayer that are deceived. And I started praying, Lord, open their eyes. And then my brother writes me back. It was kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde moment, you know, and he was kind of mad one moment. And he writes back, he says, man, I love you, Mike. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? Well, I love you, love you too, Bill. You know, I mean, it's like, where did that come from? See, it's this thing is prayer, this thing of love does make a difference. So fear can be cast out. And I, and I want to talk about fear for a moment because, you know, I remember the first time I ever heard a sermon out of this chapter was at Outreach Church, the church I became a Christian at in Minneapolis. And the pastor got him and said, fear not. And he's preaching this great sermon on fear. And I'm like, man, this is really good. And all of a sudden, this bat flew out of nowhere. It was a big bat, too. And he was on the pulpit in the bat, and he's talking, he's saying, don't, you don't have to fear, you don't have to be afraid of anything. And this bat swooped at him, and he, he actually leaps off the pulpit. And the <laughs> bat swoops at him again. And then he, I don't know how I got, uh, I was the bat killer in this church. And, he, and then he looks at me in the middle of his sermon and says, Mike, kill the bat, go kill the bat, Mike. So I went and got a tennis racket, and I, 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 I served that bat home to heaven. And I killed the bat. And I laughed because I thought, well, that wasn't a good illustration, or, or was it? You know? <laughs> Fear not. <laughs> but in this week, I was reading a book as I was thinking about fear. What drives a person to stand up for Jesus Christ for 17 years as he's tortured? And I read this man's story. His name is Dmitri. Dmitri was a Russian who one day decided that because the Soviet Union had closed down all the churches in Yaroslav, Russia, that he needed to start teaching his sons the Bible, like his grandpa had taught him. So he started to teach his sons the Bible. And then his sons wanted to learn some of the songs that he said we used to sing in our church. And then I started teaching them the songs. And so we would share the Bible stories and I'd share and we'd talk. And then pretty soon some of my sons invited some of their friends and they started coming. And then pretty soon my neighbors were hearing what was happening in the house. And they started showing up to our family Bible time. And then by that time, the Russians had took notice the uh, soldiers and uh, policemen in the town came to Dimitri and said, if you keep doing this, Dimitri, you know, you, you're going to regret this because you're starting a church. He's like, I'm not starting a church. We're just talking about the Bible. We're singing songs. And long story short, he, it, it kept growing. And what are you going to do? He says, what was I supposed to do? tell people quit coming to my house to hear about Jesus? It grew to 75 people would come out to his house. When he had 75 people, they kicked the door and the, the Soviet soldiers came in. And the captain of the guard came up to Dmitri, grabbed him by the throat, slapped him in the face twice in front of everybody. It says, if you keep doing this, bad things are going to happen to you. This is my last warning. And then he threw him into like a cabinet or something and he walked away. As he was walking out, an older lady stepped in front of the captain, pointed in right in his face and said, you just touched an anointed man of God and you will, re you will 
reap the consequences of doing that. He died of a heart attack two days later. The next night they had the Bible study, 150 people came. And so for a month, 150 people are coming as Dimitri's talking and they're singing and they have this church going on. But, it, but the, the Soviets couldn't handle it anymore, so they finally came in and they arrested Dimitri. They took him 1,000 miles away to Siberia. And they locked him in a prison. And he said, my dad taught me two disciplines, he said, every day. Every day when the sun come up, he would stare to the east when the sun was coming up and he would sing a love song to Jesus out loud, standing at attention in that prison of over 1,500 people, he discovering he was the only believer. And he would do it out loud every day. And then they would come in and literally beat him every day for singing. And then he said, the other discipline my dad taught me in that when I was young is that whenever you find a piece of paper, you write as many Bible verses on it as you can and as many Bible stories as you can. And he did that. And anytime they would find that piece of paper, they would beat him and beat him and beat him again. While he was telling his story to, uh, it's in the movie, The Insanity of God, and also the book I'm reading, The Insanity of God, he said that, um, he said it wasn't the beatings that got to him the most, but one time they came in and said, you know what? We hauled your wife off into prison, and we threw her into prison. And, and he didn't he even said, he said, some little things happened before I was arrested. He said, they, they fired me from my, my job, and they fired my wife from her job, and they expelled my kids out of the school, and they couldn't go to the school anymore. He goes, but those were minor things. Did you hear that? Those were minor. But he loved Jesus so much every morning, out of tension. And he said, and the prisoners would mock him, swear at him, throw human feces at him when he was doing this. But he kept doing it every morning for 17 years. And then at the end of 17 years, they had beaten him in, uh, uh, so many different times. And at the 17 mark, they had told him that we had taken your wife away. And then he said in the middle of the night, he said, by the way, do you know all he had to do to get out of prison? Listen, all he had to do was sign an affidavit that he no longer believed in Jesus Christ. That's it. And he refused 17 years. At this point, they had told him that they had arrested his, his wife, his boys were sent off, and he was really broken. He was going to sign the paper for the sake of his boys. And that night, he, he literally heard his family, who that night, Back in his hometown, we're all praying. All those people were praying together. He heard their prayers in that cell. And when they came in that morning, he, he refused to sign the paper. He goes, I know they're okay. I know they're all right. The Holy Spirit showed me last night they're okay. And so they beat him severely again that day and said, we're executing you tomorrow. You will be executed tomorrow. And he didn't care. He got up that next morning and he did his song belched it out loud so every prisoner could hear. And then they came and got him. But as they were walking him down the catwalk to his execution, 1,500 prisoners came to the catwalk and they sang his song. And the guard stopped. And the one looked at him and said, Who are you? He said, I am a son of the living God. 
and his name is Jesus. <laughs> he scared the prison guards so much by the whole prison standing up for him, they let him go home to tell the story. And so we're going to play, by the way, this is his song, and this is out of the movie Insanity God, if we can play that now. Go ahead. years, he would stand up and sing God praise in a place that many people called hell. And he impacted 1,500 hardcore criminal prisoners, and it changed their lives too. Isn't that an amazing story? Let's stand as we close in prayer today. It really is true. Perfect love will cast out fear. And I just pray that you know, I, I, I looked at Dimitri, I read his story first, and then I, I just had something at the back of my head said, go Google Dimitri. And then I found that, you know, the movie Insanity of God had made some of the pieces to it, and they had done Dimitri's story, and they had that little clip. And I, and I watched that. I thought, wow, I got it pretty easy, amen? <laughs> I got it really good. We have it really good. But yeah, we're so many of us are so afraid 
to stand up for what is right. Afraid to stand up against abortion because of what people will say. We're afraid to stand up against all this crazy teaching that's out there <laughs> about all this gender identity stuff. We're so afraid to stand up for the truth of the gospel. And then I, that I really had to be challenged. Maybe we're so afraid is because love hasn't really taken root in our hearts. Because if the love really had taken root in our hearts, love would drive us to deliver and set people free. Amen? That love Dimitri had for the Lord. And, and it's not a pretty story. It's not the kind of story we want to hear. Amen? But we really have to understand that when John writes this about love, that it casts out fear, he's a guy that was boiled in oil. He's the guy that was thrown on an island, on the Isle of Patmos, and he stood for Jesus over and over and over again. And he said, perfect love casts out fear. I've lived it. Dimitri, perfect love casts out fear. Doesn't matter what they're going to do to me every day. I will stand up and I will give Jesus praise in front of 1,500 prisoners who mocked me. And yet we're afraid today to stand for Jesus in truth. I pray that we would be challenged to do that this week and to love others by sharing the truth with them. Amen? How many are willing to make that commitment with you? You're going to share the truth with someone this week so it can change their life. Raise your hand. Lord, you see all these hands. Lord, they're raising their hands to you, not to me. Lord, I pray that we would get the love like Dimitri had for you, that we would drive out the fear, Father God, and that we would go share the truth with our neighbors and with our friends, and we would love them. We would love them like you loved us, God. We would even be willing to sacrifice ourselves on behalf of others like Dimitri did for his church. And he stood strong for 17 years, and they finally released him. A miracle, God. And now he tells his story all over the world. And Lord, I pray that we could be bold like this, bold as lions, to tell the truth so people could get set free. So Lord, have your way in our life this week. Help us to love like we've never loved before, especially to love you with our whole heart, mind, and soul, and all of our strength, and that we would become wise in determining what is right and what is wrong. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Well, we're going to have our prayer team members come down front. If you need prayer this morning, come on down front. We'll be happy to pray with you. The rest of you, God bless you. Have a great week.